Welcome back to another episode of Capes and Tights, a comic book and pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. My co-host, Adam Morissette, is traveling now to visit some family, so he's unable to join us this week on the podcast. But this week, we have podcaster extraordinaire and, and owner of the website Sketch.com, David Harper, joining us to discuss comic books, the comic book industry, his life as a comic book fan, how he got started with the podcast and the website, all the way from Anchorage, Alaska. We discussed those topics. We also got into excuse me, a little bit of basketball as well towards the end there. So if you don't like basketball at the very end of this episode, mute it for a little bit and then get into more information about David at the end of the episode as well. But we do talk about basketball in this podcast as well, because we're both basketball fans. However, most of the episode is talking about comic books and the comic book industry and him and how he got started with, with, with off panel and sketch.com. So check out the episode. Enjoy. You can find us on Apple and Spotify and all the podcasting platforms out there, as well as on Instagram and Facebook at Capes and Tights Podcast on those two platforms and at Capes Tights Pod on Twitter. Enjoy, everybody. This is David Harper from Sketch.com and the Off Panel Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome, David. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely, man. I mean, you know, how are you right now? How is life? I mean, you know, it's we're still within this. And I feel like every episode of your podcast that I listen to, you ask the same question at the beginning about how's life and stuff like that. When you thought maybe one of these days you'd actually stop asking that question because yeah. life would get somewhere back to normal. We haven't yet. So like, how is life? How is things? How are you coping? <laughs> uh, life is good. It's funny. I had like a really busy week last week. I had two podcasts and one was on Wednesday. One, one was on Thursday. And normally I don't do multiple podcasts in a week just because I'm like a maniac in terms of research. And I was so stressed out, especially because the Wednesday one was a big one. And I was like, oh, I was, I always tell my wife after I get done with the podcast, I'm like, that was a shitty one. It was just bad. It was, it wasn't good, you know? And, and then I go and edit it and I'm like listening to it and I come up to my wife. I'm like, it's actually pretty good. And she's like, of course it is. Stop being dumb. But I'm doing well, especially considering the fact that I have now proven to myself that both the podcasts I recorded last week were actually pretty good. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I just actually went to my first con of the year uh, last, this weekend uh, up here in Bangor, Maine. I had a Bangor comic and toy con. This nice. past weekend, it was uh, it was unique and different because I mean it's only six thousand people, so it's not like you know some of the bigger cons. Obviously, uh, they had it in a mall, uh, nice. a basically abandoned mall. I mean, like we had there's like four stores in the entire mall left, so they used like old clothing stores like Debs and Rue Twenty One and stuff like that as like the vendors area and the celebrity guest area, and then they used like the corridor area as like artist alley. So all the different artists were in there and it worked out really well. It was the most people I've seen in that mall in a long time, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to lie. I could actually see dead malls being future homes of comic conventions. That makes a lot of sense. And it was even more perfect and fitting because the main people of this Comic-Con were Brian O'Halloran, Jeff Anderson, and Jason Mewes, all from Clerks and Mallrats fame. Okay. And so like having mall rats people from the movie mall rats at a mall for a comic-con like just seemed super fitting yeah <laughs> and so it worked out really well and uh my co-host who is actually traveling today but uh adam and i set up shop at an old GameStop, 
and recorded some podcasts and talked to some live streaming and stuff like that. It was the weirdest, like surreal experience to just be like sitting in a shop. I used to buy video games at and recording a podcast. That's really funny. So you actually, when you go to conventions, you actually get set up sometimes. So yeah, this one, so I went, I'm friends with the guys, the, the, one of the owners of the Comic-Con is my tattoo artist as well. And I, I grew up with him and stuff like that. So we're actually moving our studio into the mall. Um, they're renting some stores for a long period of time in the mall and they have an office space upstairs that we're actually turning into a studio uh, here within the end of the year uh, from now until the end of the year. So we thought, why not get an opportunity to be there, be set up, hand out some uh, stickers and things like that, and then uh, jump on some guests. And it, it seemed like it was pretty cool. We didn't get any, we didn't have any plans going in. We were just like, let's record and, and see what happens. And we ended up with uh, Dana Snyder who does Aqua Teen Hunger Force's milkshake or master shake. Nice. He came on because of a funny, I mean, a lot of the people have heard of us talking about it already, but um, he needed to record some voices for a TV show last minute, like a, like a, like an animated oh TV show um, uh, emergency. And they called him and said, Hey, we need to record these voices. What can you do? What can you, you know? So it just happened that we had our professional equipment there and we went into an office space with a lot of crap in it. So they wouldn't like have echo or anything like that. And he recorded like 25 lines for a TV show. Uh, through the internet, through a website that directly connected to someone in California and recorded some TV show uh, uh, lines for him. And he was so thankful that he's like, oh, I'll jump on the podcast, talk to you guys. And he signed my interface. Um, so I would always remember that experience and stuff like that. It was just random as hell, but it was awesome. <laughs> that is wild. Man, that is, that is really, really cool. I love that. I love that you guys just happened to offer the exact <laughs> thing he needed in that situation. That's That's really perfect. It, it turned out to a weird like line of events. We were live streaming when the guy from the Comic-Con came up and said, we need you. And I'm like, oh, we're live on the internet right now. Like, <laughs> I'm not just walking away. And uh, between my Adam and I, my co-host and I, I'm, I'm the one that leads the podcast a lot. And he just fills in. Uh, and he was like stuck there by himself now trying to come up with crap on a live stream. And he's just like, uh, my wife was like, he needs to learn some jokes just in case that happens again. It did not work out very well. I'm like, yeah, it's a story later to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's amazing. It, it was it was unbelievable, and through the rest, we, we drove them around and uh, and so on. So it was really cool, like a, a weird thing that I did not expect happening at a, at the Comic Con. We were just going to talk to some artists um, and talk other stuff about the Comic Con, and it ended up turning into us, you know, driving around Dana Snyder and, and recording his voice. That's uh, super dropping wild. Him off at, dropping him off his hotel so he could do a Disney Plus live stream uh, <laughs> question and answer because he's on the new. Um, the ghost of Maggie McGee on Disney plus. And so we did like a question and answer on Friday night and it was, a, it was a surreal experience, but the con itself was fun. Like, that's I, great. You, it, it, you know, I know you've heard on your podcast talking about how, whether or not you'll go to cons and you have your press pass for Emerald city and all that, but like it was small enough. And I wore a mask and a lot of people wear masks that I felt like safe enough. And we had our own little space. Cause we we're in that GameStop. We could like step back and be like, okay, it's a little too many people. We're going to stand right here and wait for people to pass. <laughs> Part of my thing though is is it's I don't even know who Emerald City is gonna have there. They haven't yeah. updated their guest list in a while, and I kind of wonder if they're hedging their bets just in case they have to can. Yeah, it, yeah, Cancel? and even Judith. But at Ju the same Judith time, Hogue it's really weird. Too. They have three comic guests, and it's in two months. Wow, Ooh. are you there? Yeah, uh, uh, who? Sorry. Judith Hogue. She was uh, on Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. The first, she was April O'Neil. On oh, the okay. first TMNT movie, and she just canceled like literally the Friday of it. She's just like, yeah, I'm not gonna come. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get the reason why you would want to hedge your bets as a, a person who's running a con, but it's just given the fact that I might have to cancel for obvious reasons, there might be some cost because like last year I got all my money back for, for Emerald city because well, in the, in the form of a voucher from Alaska airlines and you know, my hotel was very understanding. I don't think they'd be so understanding this year. Cause it's like, I'm willfully going into it and flying down from Alaska is not that cheap and flying anywhere from Alaska is not that cheap but anyway so I've, I've been kind of waiting for like more guests to be announced I mean they've only announced for comics Sam Maggs Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman and I'm like I like Ryan a lot but at the same time I'm not yes. flying like 2,500 miles to see him during a pandemic I'd love to see more anyways the, isn't that's... that just is that technically one and a half too because Don, doesn't Donnie and Ryan kind of count as one <laughs> I mean, uh, come maybe, on, let's maybe. be honest. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's very tall, though. Ryan is okay. very tall. He kind of counts okay. for like one and a half. So, <laughs> but it, it was fun. We had, um, we didn't have, so this year we're supposed to be Kevin Eastman was supposed to come. Kevin Eastman is from Maine and he obviously created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in Maine or in New Hampshire. Uh, and so he was supposed to come and be there with Steve Levine and Jim Lawson, some of the original artists from Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. But with the pandemic and stuff like that, he canceled all of his 2021 uh, uh, cons. And then with the success of his like last Ronin comic book and stuff, like it seems like what I've been hearing the rumors of is a lot more expensive for next year. So they're uh, like, oh, maybe we'll do them next year. But then it's like, ah, is it worth the cost? Cause like, you know, it, you know, cause the cost outweighed the benefit and so on. So we'll see if he comes in April uh, for the next con for them. But it was, uh, it was fun. It was definitely yeah. unique in, in, in getting back out there and doing something. It's the first thing I've done legitimately with that many people in it in 19, 20 months. Like it's literally yeah. the first thing. So it was cool. I went to Vegas comics. in June. I went to oh, Vegas yeah. in June. There was no comics there, but there was a lot of gambling and a lot of losing at gambling. Well, you don't win at Vegas. Come on. They know better Look, than that. I had brief flirt. I, actually, I have to admit, that was like the fifth time I've been to Vegas in my life. And three of those time, three of those times has been in it as an adult. And two times I've left with more money than I went there with. The other time made up for the time that I made money. <laughs> the other times I made money. So it's like, I'm going to call myself net even. Yeah. It wasn't a Dennis Robin trip to Vegas, was it? No, God, no. I don't have that kind of money. I'm also not married. Well, I already was married, but I'm not married again. <laughs> that uh, it's so so. Speaking as we get, we're basketball fans too. So I want to get into some basketball as well at some point because it's fun to talk to someone about basketball. Um, but how? Let's just start. How did you get into comic books in the first place? Like, what was the story behind you know David and comics? So. Transformers. That was it. Um, I really loved the Transformers when I was a kid. If if there was like a it was like my drug of choice when I was a child. Basically, any form of it I could get, I would take. And I, I watched people. For, I, I only discovered recently that people don't like the the movie, the animated movie, Transformers the movie, because I don't know reasons. I loved it when I was a kid. I must have rented that 200 times when I was a kid. Uh, I had a, a whole lot of the toys. I had I watched the show all the time. I loved it all. And then I don't even know how I got it, but I got the, the Transformers Marvel comics. And I remember I have it over on my spinner rack over here. Uh, Transformers number 41. It was this big fight on the moon bet between Decepticons and Autobots. And I just remember like seeing all these characters on like this moon fighting simultaneously. And I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Like, I don't even know how it's possible. And then in the back, they actually had like a little breakdown where you could see each of the, the Transformers names. And it was amazing. I, I love that. I loved not only being able to see this huge scale on a single page, much to the chagrin of whoever the artist was on that issue. I think it was Jose Delbo, but 
anyways, much to the chagrin of whoever the artist was on that. But I love that. And then also being able to get the information elsewhere. And from there, it was it was kind of like always a reciprocal relationship between uh, animated shows and comics and sport or excuse me, trading cards and comics. I love the Marvel Universe trading cards that that definitely hooked me a bit. I loved uh, X-Men animated series and Batman animated series and that hooked me. And then um, I think the, the funny thing is the very first comic I actually bought for myself, the very first new one was, I remember it was at a spinner rack at a Safeway in Anchorage, Alaska. I don't even know if you know what a Safeway is. It's like a grocery yeah. store. And they had, um, I think it was Uncanny X-Men 294, the first issue, the first part of the executioner song or, or event for Marvel. Mm -hmm. And it has, uh, it was an executioner song. Shit, what was it? it God, I, I always mix up the damn um, Marvel or X-Men events that have X's in them because they always like confuse me with that. But it was about Cable shooting um, Professor X with a gun that has the legacy virus in it. And then it turns out it wasn't actually him. It was his twin brother or twin or clone. It was Strife. Mm -hmm. And um, anyways, it was it was really wild. But the thing about it was, is it was polybagged with a card in it. And that was that was my hook. That was the one that got me. And it was Executioner's song. It was that. Yes. Anyway, yeah. so um, it had a card in there and I wanted it. And then next thing you know, I was reading X-Men comics and I was hooked. And largely I've been reading ever since. I took like a few year gap in college or high school and college because I think that happens with a lot of people. And I got hooked again by Why the Last Man and Fables and The Walking Dead. And I've been reading ever since. I love how you said the X-Men animating series too. I mean, obviously it wasn't what you got. I just feel like enough people I talked to about comic books, they realize I, I, like in a sense, comic books didn't exist before the X-Men animated series. Like that's what they got them into, into comic books in the first place was like, Oh, we watched this animated show on TV. And then I started reading comic books. Uh, I just, that to me, and that's what one of the things that got me into it, but I had a bigger gap too. I had a pretty big gap because I thought it was too cool for comic books. It was too nerdy for me. I needed to be one of the cool kids and comic books weren't cool. Uh, and so that would happen to me. And I got back in, honestly, not just more, more recently, um, but with secret wars in 2015, that's really what brought me back really a little bit further back than that, a little bit civil war and, and secret invasion on Marvel's side. Uh, I'm glad you said why the last man though, because, uh, it's, it's not your typical superhero. Like why last man and walking dead, walking dead is one of my favorite comic books of all time. I love Robert, Robert Kirkman's writing, uh, and, and you know, the whole book itself. I've read that multiple times and, I didn't actually get into some of these image series or um, independent publishers until probably within the past two or three years. Like it was Marvel, DC, mm. mostly Marvel my entire life. It, like nothing else existed. And I, I'm very glad over the past few years that I've been able to actually read some of these outside the box, like not superhero related comic books because there's a lot of good stuff out there. Oh yeah. I mean, I would show you my office. Like you can see part of it. This none yeah. of, I have one small bookcase of, marvel and dc trades and then i have two same size of just like non-marvel dc and then much, one much larger one of just non-marvel dc then i also have 37 long boxes over there it's ridiculous i'm basically one day my wife is going to come home and i'm going to be crushed to death by my comics and she'll be like this is how i thought that this would happen this is the I only like i feel like most way comic book fans are, are are like if other people walk in you'd be like are you a hoarder yeah, like, but it's no, organized. It's, just, it's yes. organized at least. I mean, it's like painfully organized. Although I, I will say, 
it is very fitting. I, I just looked over and the first thing I saw wasn't a comic, but it was a Grimlock toy from when I was a kid. So bring it, bring it full circle. I do. I mean, I think that the early nineties were like the perfect storm of gateways into comics for a lot of fans though, because X-Men animated series, Batman animated series, the Marvel universe trading cards. There was a lot of and Batman 1989, the Michael Keaton movie. I mean, all of those things were really great ways to hook people and it's really interesting. It's I don't know of a lot of things that have been as successful about at creating a new generation of readers since then. Uh, Walking Dead was very good at it, but I think it was better at creating Walking Dead readers than it was necessarily mm-hmm. comic readers. Yes, I and and I think there is that gap, and there's that that ebbs and flows, and like the X Men animated series, the Batman animated series, a lot of these things that you mentioned. But I know you have the MCU now that does it for more younger crowd that doesn't have, like I know of people who are fans now of just the Marvel movies because they're so well-made that they got into comic books based on watching the movies. So like for me and being a younger kid, I'm 35. So the X-Men animated show was right in my, you know, wheelhouse at that time. Someone who also was around 10 years old or, or, or eight years old, seven years old at this time watching Iron Man kick ass on TV or on the big screen will also hopefully create a comic book fan out of that person for a long time to come. Yeah, yeah. It is kind of interesting, though, because I think even more so, perhaps at least in a different way, the MCU is a very good replacement for the comics Mm -hmm. because it's serialized, because there's so much of it. I mean, the funny thing is I say that in the X-Men, the animated series, that series probably has more actual hours than the MCU combined because it was like 20 something episodes every year for like X amount of years. Six years or five years? Yeah, exactly. So. I mean, that's that's a shit ton of content mm-hmm. and it probably tops what the MCU did, but it feels different because this is so sustained. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the problems. Like people are always like, oh, why doesn't the MCU create more readers? And I'm like, well, because they have what they want. It's mm-hmm. that is the text to them. And I think that's fine. It yeah. is fine. And you're right about that, because I do have I follow a couple other podcasts, too. And they literally their their whole thing is just covering the MCU. Like they don't talk about anything else but the MCU. And so it's like a replacement to reading comic books or doing other things as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely run out of things to say. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, they, they, yes, yes, you're right. Absolutely. Right. It would definitely get to the point where there's too much to say or not enough to say about what's going on. There's such a bigger world than actual print comic books or web comic books or any of these other comic book worlds. Uh, yeah. for sure. But, After the know. fifth episode of, uh, theorizing when Mephisto is. <laughs> it's always Mephisto. Here, I would probably be like, oh, this is, this is what's that? It's always Mephisto. What was that? It's always Mephisto. I mean, Mephisto's everybody. I mean, Mephisto is literally every character in the No Way Home trailer. Yes. It was unbelievable. But so, I mean, how did you get from comic books, just reading comic books and being a fan to it, to writing about it in, in, in recording a podcast? Like that, that seems like it's a, I mean, not in my world, because that's exactly what I wanted to do. And that's what I did too, as well. But like, how do you get from just reading comic books and being a fan to actually writing about it and, and, and having a podcast? So I always wanted to write. I actually went to college for marketing um, I got degrees in uh, like human resources and management and in marketing. And I was, so I went to business school, but I also got a minor in English and I always, I took a lot of creative writing classes. I always really enjoyed writing, but then I realized I didn't really need to get a degree to write. It was completely unnecessary. So I might as well get something to pay the bills while I figure out what I want to do while writing. Uh, in terms of how I started writing about comics, I was a big, <laughs> I always think this is like such a funny out of, out of the blue part of my story, but I was a big like pop punk slash, 
I don't know, screamo slash whatever fan back when I was in college. And I was part of this forum for absolutepunk.net. And it was a website that was just like celebrating this stuff. And on the forum, there was a, a massive thread called Wednesday is New Comic Book Day. And when I was on there, I was I was writing a personal blog at the time. And every once in a while, I'd write about comics. It was kind of like what we were talking about before we started recording, where people are like, stop writing about or talking about sports on your comic podcast. On that, I always felt like people are like, why are you talking about comics in this blog about yourself? So I, um, you know, it's that Wednesday's new comic book day thing. It was it was going for a long time. And this one dude in the thread, Matt Melikoff, was said that he was starting a comic site. He started a comic site called Multiversity Comics. And he was like, does anybody want to write for it? And I was like, yeah, all right. And so I started writing for it. And I was like the third person that joined the site. And I wrote for them for like five years. And I really enjoyed it. We did really well. We were nominated for an Eisner, I think, in 2014. Wow. And we did really well. And they're still doing well. They're a great site. But um, eventually, I was just like, you know, I don't really, I'd written literally like, 3000 posts over that five years and a lot of it was stuff I didn't really want to write about like I was reviewing the walking dead and I was like you know um writing reviews and just for weekly comics and stuff and at a certain point there's only so many different things I can say about moon knight um and so I was just like sorry moon knight I don't mean to slide (laughs) you mark specter you're a legend uh but anyways the uh at a certain point I was just like I I just want to do something else so I took a few months off and I decided I was going to start sketch uh, in 2015 and I started off panel my podcast at the same time. And, you know, I, I did that for a bit. Uh, I, I only did sketch for a year and I burned myself out. Um, I, I took a break from off panel for three months and I brought it back and now I'm on like episode 324, 323, mm-hmm. something like that. And um, anyways, and so I'm still doing that. And I just, the, the thing about it is, is, when I watch, okay, so this is this is a an unnecessary aside, but it's going to explain myself pretty well, I think. So, like, I watch a movie, and one of the first things I do after watching the movie, if I liked it, is I will go read the IMDb trivia page because I like learning about the story behind things. Like, I really love just like learning these random things about things I enjoy. So it's like if I watch a movie, like. Uh, I don't know, like the Frighteners. I just watched the Frighteners with my wife, which I, I really like that. She'd never seen that before. It was the Peter Jackson movie with Michael J. Fox in the in the 90s. And it's, it was a weird ass like horror movie. And, you know, go and read like this random stuff about the filming, about how they were like in New Zealand for like nine months shooting there and about how like it was like the long, well, up until that point, I'm pretty sure it was the longest film shoot in the history of New Zealand. Then Lord of the Rings came and they're like, oh, you're basic. Uh, anyways, and you know, that type of stuff really interests me. And comics do the same thing. Like, I'm always interested in, like, the story behind things. Like, for example, you mentioned Secret Wars. Like, uh, one piece I did this year for Sketched was I put together the oral history of Secret Wars, the 2015 one. And I talked to all the main creative team, the main editors, some people who had done side books for it, like, the related to the universe. And I did that over a period of, like, four months interviewing all these people. And I put together the oral history. And it was, it was really fun doing that. And that's kind of the gist of what I want to do is I like to learn about these things I love in these creators who do this amazing work and the people who are involved with the industry and kind of sketched an off panel or just the manifestation of that. And that's just what I do. And it's, 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 it's great. I mean, I, I, I found you 
listening to the podcast first, then I know, then I found sketched.com, but, um, they were something, I think I was Googling like top comic book podcasts to listen to or comic book podcasts to listen to or something like that. And someone had brought up off panel. And I will say as a person who does graphic design for a living, I, I will say the, the person who did your logo for off panel did draw me in. Cause a lot of times you'll see the, 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 the little icon you're just like that's someone's half-assed icon for a podcast having and actually looked professional and looked well made me click on it and go okay i want to listen to this podcast and then obviously your audio quality and all that stuff is good as well uh but yeah it was one of those things that i was like i don't need, i just stumbled upon uh off panel by googling comic book podcasts and luckily someone else thought you were good so that's good yeah <laughs> it's tough there's like so many comic podcasts it's hard to get yes. through the noise and also i hate promoting myself so it's just like if people find it, that's great. And if they don't, I'm like, eh, whatever. But uh, I will say shouts to John to Hollingsworth. Uh, that was a former coworker of mine. I work in an advertising agency and he's an amazing, amazing designer. And he did the logo for off panel. And he was, he was an art director at my, actually, I don't remember. He might've been an art director at my office at the time. No, it was, it was after he left and he was freelancing and he's like an award-winning designer in Alaska and honestly an unbelievable designer. So I'm glad to hear that you like the logo. Yeah, it's, it's, it's excellent. And it's definitely something that, like I said, it is, everything's put together professionally and you talk. It's awesome. It's, it's, a great comp, it's a great podcast to listen to. But also, I agree with you the fact that if someone just finds me, they find you because like, I feel like you're going to have these conversations anyway. So might as well record them and talk to someone else about them and see if someone else enjoys listening to them because why not? <laughs> so if you end up yeah. getting to the point where you're like, all of a sudden I know you're like, you sign online you're like, oh, off panel has 10 listeners this week. You're like, oh, whatever. I enjoyed <laughs> yeah. the podcast. I enjoyed talking to someone, whatever, yeah. you know, you know, when you get thousands and thousands of listeners, it's great. But like, you know, if you end up having a podcast one day, your podcast just starts to dive down. You're like, it was still cool to talk to, you know, Ryan, or, you know, Ryan Stegman or, you know, Donnie Cates or it's whatever. It's never cool to talk to Ryan Stegman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ryan's great. He's a Detroit Pistons fan though. I mean, who oh. likes the Pistons? I'm a Pacers fan. They're like natural enemies. Malice in the Palace. That's like yeah. that's what we call every time Ryan comes on the podcast. Uh, hilariously, he's actually supposed to come on in a couple of weeks. But I will say one of the interesting things about doing an interview podcast is that, in a weird way, and like this isn't a plan; it's just kind of how it works. Your guests are kind of your advertisement, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Where it's like, um, you know, who you have on is going to both inherently dictate who will it's just going to dictate who will listen to it because a lot of times like I have my constant listeners the people who will listen to basically every podcast I do and then there's some people who will only listen because this week I had Matthew Rosenberg on mm -hmm. or previously I had Heidi McDonald on to talk about the industry or you know Jeff Smith came on to talk about bone or or whatever and it's interesting because it creates a pretty I mean like I have a pretty like narrow band of where my listenership is, but there's sometimes where the spectrum increases or decreases based off of like the familiarity people have with like a certain guest. And again, I don't really care. Cause it's like, I had one of my good friends on the podcast last year during the pandemic and well, during the pandemic, it's still going on. Uh, but you know, at the, at the beginning of it, cause I did a week of podcasts and I wanted to highlight artists who are in a different space but are kind of operating in a similar fashion who are used to conventions and everything like that. And it was funny because like, I fully expected her to have like the least listens out of anybody, but like she didn't, I think it's partially because she's my friend and it was really funny listening to her, like roast me for an entire hour. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, it's, 
it is interesting though because it's like i don't have to promote it because sometimes somebody like i've had people email me and tell me like i discovered it because you had x person on there mm-hmm. i discovered because you had y person on there and now i'm listening to it all the time and that's the hope is i do I, I do something that's interesting to me and it produces a result that's interesting to somebody else and then they stick around. And so far that's been working. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, exactly. I have a, I, my, my way of listening originally, I stumbled upon off panel and I listened to the ones I like went back and listened to the ones like, oh, I want to listen to that person. I want to listen to that person. I want to listen to that person. Then I stumbled upon some of the ones you have with some friends and some regulars and things like that. Then I found the other ones that have those regulars. And then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, I listened to everyone that I wanted to listen to. Now I'm just going back and like, okay, I guess I'll listen to that one. And it ends up a lot of times turning out to be one of the better episodes that I just happened to skip because I didn't know either know the person or at the time care about the person. Uh, And you know, you have your likes and dislikes. Like when I saw you had Scotty young on, I was like, Oh my gosh, I love Scotty young. I have a couple, I have uh, what four, three, Three Scotty Young tattoos and a print and, back there. Yeah, print back there. And so I, 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 I love his artwork. I love like his writing right now. He's kicking ass writing. Uh, but I got pissed off at that episode because he basically you were on. He was on like recording like on a Friday or something like that, and it was released on Monday. And he announced on Tuesday that he was like doing the I Hate Fairyland again in the in the Substack thing. And I was like, it was so funny because I listened to him. I'm like, oh, I want to hear some cool stuff about this. And then the next day, he announced on his uh his uh website that he was doing the Substack thing. And I was like, come on, man. You were just on the show. <laughs> like One week later would have been different. It is. It's funny, though, because it's like, if you listen to him, he asked me, he's like, when is this going to run during the podcast? And yeah. I'm like, Monday. And he's like, I can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you and know, was, I mean, that, that's that's the thing is, is like there's sometimes like earlier this year, I had Jerry Duggan on and we ended up talking in, I want to say March, March or April. And at that point. When I first reached out to him, I just want to talk to him about Cable Marauders. But by the he, we, we kind of kept punting, kept punting, kept punting. But by the time he came on, he was writing X Men. He was doing Planet Size X Men. Cable was ending. There's all this different stuff, and it's funny because, like, like you're saying, even a day if I published that a day later, we could have talked about that. I mm-hmm. uh, I hate Fairyland stuff and the Substack stuff, and it would have been a completely different conversation. But that's the nature of interviews: is sometimes there's things they can talk about, and sometimes there's not, and it's uh you you leave it to the fates sometimes but it always works out it's always a fun conversation it's just certain things are open otherwise yeah and if you waited and waited and waited and waited you just never would have that person on i mean like especially someone who's active you know someone yeah. who's doing things right now it's like you can't wait for the next thing because the next thing when then when that ends the next thing's gonna come and you know it's gonna be dated at that point uh and that's the, that's the just the, the the you know the game you can't it's not like you're writing a piece for sketch.com and you can go in there and add to it right if someone you know you did an interview with scotty young for for sketch.com and then like a week later you're like oh i'm just gonna go in there at the bottom and add a little bit in about the Substack thing an audio recording that's a podcast is out there and it's listened to and it's it's you, you're not going to go through and add things to it later on no i definitely would not that's too much work <laughs> way too much work way too much i, I I think it's funny that we have a video element and my son has decided to persecute me. If I was a vampire, I'd be like extremely dead right now. Well, well, now you know, we know you're not. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Unless I'm sparkling him, it's like a twilight vampire. I'm actually going to close my shade though. Yeah. I just freaked uh, out Stella J. <laughs> do you, uh, I know you, you've had so many people on there. I mean, you list and list and list and list and list of people that are on there now. Obviously at this point, you know, you, it's just another guest and so on. But did you have at the beginning, some pinch me moments, some moments where like, how did I get this guest to come on? Or I, I really happy to have this person, uh, before you, I mean, like I said, obviously now it's to the point where you have enough people on that. It's like, 
somewhat not of a surprise, but is there a pinch me moment ever back in the day? Um, well, I mean, the, the, the difference is, is I'd been doing it for five years before Mm. at at multiversity. And so I'd already kind of created, um, like my first guest was Sean Murphy. My second guest was Declan Shelby. My third guest was John Lane. And so it's like, you know, fairly notable people. Mm -hmm. And it was because they already knew me and it made it, it makes it easier to book people if they already know you to a degree. And like, so I'd kind of been established as a person who could talk about things in, an educated way that didn't really cross into like the usual, um, you know, fan questions. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be like, okay, so when, you know, is Batman going to die? And they're like, I can't talk about that. I'm like, okay, let's talk about something else you can't talk about. Um, so it was kind of established. I mean, I will say early on, like the, the, the first interview that I'd ever booked for Multiversity Comics, we like were euphoric in email, like as, as euphoric as you can be through email uh, because we, we never had an interview before. And we were like, losing our minds and it's funny because like looking back on it i'm not not going to name the person because this is accidental slander but it's just like it wasn't it wasn't a big deal it yeah. was just exciting because we'd never done it before and at a certain point it's just um you know it's just i'm not going to say it's old hat or anything mm-hmm. like that but it's just talking to a person i always tell people like people are like oh how do you talk to these people like they're you know, like, are you friends? I've had people ask me if like, are you friends with all of your guests? And I'm like, I don't have that many friends. I've had 323 episodes, man. <laughs> like, uh, I haven't met the vast majority of these people. Yeah. It's just that I think the key to a good interview is just remembering that these people are people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, pinch me moment. Uh, I will say, I would say the most surprising one that I did was I was at New York Comic Con in 2018. I want to say time is weird now and I don't remember it was either 2018 or 2019 um I was going to bed in a Airbnb my wife and I were staying in after an amazing night in of watching a classic New York movie and hackers it was amazing uh we went out to dinner come back you know it's just like you want to unwind with a New York film and so you're like let's watch a movie about hackers hacking the planet um anyways and so um I get an email from Images uh, PR person, and she was like, "I know you want to talk to Brian K. Vaughn. What do you think about tomorrow?" And I was like, "Fuck, yeah, <laughs> uh, yes." I would, I say yes, and then I was like, "I don't know what I'm talking about," because like my my thing is, is I put in a lot of research into my interviews, and I don't normally set myself up in a position where I'm going to do a bad interview because I want to make sure that the person is satisfied with their experience. And so anyway, so I, I like quickly put together a rough sketch of what I wanted to talk about. And it was a funny position because it was like, you know, Saga was on pause or Saga is on pause. Um, you know, a lot of his paper girls was coming to an end. I think they just announced that it was ending or it was near the end and, you know, a number of things. And so, yeah, uh, I, I got together and it was funny because like I go and I go to images booth and I meet up with Brian and then we walk to like the press area. And because I'm like a, a habitual schmoozer, I'd like previously talked to the read pop people about, about seeing if I could like go into the back area where they do like the panel, uh, like press areas and like just have a private area back there. And I, I was, I'd kind of befriended some of them in at previous cons and they let me do it. And so it was funny because I was going through the press area and I just remember this one guy who uh, does another podcast, Bow the Adam for Comics XF, Adam Rec, great guy. He tweeted a little bit later and he was like, 
at Slice Fried Gold just walked by me with Brian K. Vaughn like it was nothing. And I was just like, inside, it was like a torrent of emotions. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm because I've been trying to get Brian for years. I never got him. He's uh, probably my favorite writer. Uh, and it was great. We only talked for like 25 minutes, but it was just, a, it was a really good conversation. And uh, he seemed happy with the experience. I didn't ask him dumb questions, it seemed. And uh, I'm going to call that a success. So I would say that's probably as far as a pinch me moment as I've gotten. The closest I've gotten to a Chris Farley show podcast or podcast is, uh, it's funny because like, it's all sliding scale for this stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. who is exciting for one person is exciting, you know, not exciting for somebody else but there's this cartoonist named nate simpson who does this comic called non-player it its first issue was released in 2011 they've had a total of two issues released i love that comic i love it it's amazing it is unbelievable those two two issues have more ideas in it than like 50 issue runs for other books i love it so much i had him on the podcast right as the second issue was coming out and it was great and i was just like basically fanboying out about like how great he is and yeah so it's it's funny like i would say those two are the ones that stand out the most that's awesome i love those stories like i said we talked you know about the dana snyder thing and it just happened to be you know it worked out the next day this that and the other thing And it's the same thing we we were not planning to to interview dana snyder but it's like the next day he's like oh yeah i'll jump on tomorrow so we're like same thing adam and i are trying to find things to you know talk about making sure i mean i i'm not a huge animated like comedy show person like i never really i watched maybe like 10 episodes of aqua teen hunger force growing up so it's like i didn't really have a big background on it so but it was like just talking to him about voice acting and stuff i was able to find an avenue to talk about and an avenue to, to, to head with uh, i knew some things how many seasons the show was on and those things but it's just the pressure i'm a planner i, mean, I plan things out i mean we talked about doing this for a couple of weeks now it's not like i just texted you or emailed you and was like can you get on tomorrow it was like a plan out schedule out let's get it put out in, in, in place um, so yeah, that, that spur of the moment thing can always throw the pressure on too. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I've actually declined pretty notable interviews just because I, I can't handle the spur of the moment. The same con I was offered an interview with Bill Sienkiewicz and I declined because this is terrible. I've said this on other podcasts, so I can, I can put myself on blast. I've never read Bill Sienkiewicz comics because his art scared me when I was a kid. And it's like ridiculous, but I, I remember reading new mutants when I was a kid and I was just like, this is horrifying. I am yes. out. I'm out. So anyways, yeah, I declined an interview with Bill Sienkiewicz because I'm a coward. Who was it that you just talked to about that? I just remember listening to a podcast about that. that you just said I don't that. know. It's come up a number of times. It might have been uh, Chip. Chip Zdarsky. It might have been Chip. I, or, or, yeah, I don't know. It was a recent one, I thought. But uh, <laughs> that's, when that's they came awesome. On, but yeah. Anyways, it's random. It, I mean, I like how you brought up Brian K. Vaughn quickly, too. I mean, you've you been you watching the show at all, uh, Why the Last Man, obviously? No? I have not watched it. No. Oh, I'm, I mean, the problem is, so I have a day job yeah. where I work in an advertising agency, and I have the podcast, and I have the site. Yeah. And also, there's a lot of television out there. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I have a really tough time keeping up with everything. Like, I also want to play video games. Like, I just bought Resident Evil Village, and I want to play that. But I haven't played that in, like, a week. And I haven't watched any of Why the Last Man. Uh, it's funny. There's like so many comic related things that I haven't watched. I've watched Sweet Tooth. Uh, I still watched the Snyder Cut. There's just a lot of stuff I just can't keep up with. So I just don't. I'll get to Why the Last Man eventually. Yeah, oh yeah. And here's the deal. And we talked about the the the, the you mentioned Why the Last Man earlier too. And obviously Vertigo is an imprint of DC, so it isn't like a like this independent uh, publisher. But I will say that I never had read Why the Last Man until I saw the show coming and then i went and now i'm like on issue 21 or 22 
of that uh, series as well. So it, it's it's definitely well written. It's 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 awesome. I love the the whole premise behind it. The show is different for sure. I don't want to spoil anything, but the show is definitely they definitely took some liberties on the show that were different than they were in the comic book. Um, which they also my did thing is the Walking Dead and all that stuff too. So it's not like <laughs> yeah. My thing with the adaptations is it's less about nailing the specifics and more about nailing the spirit. If they get yes. the spirit right, that's all that really matters to me. And I mean, honestly, Why Last Man first launched in like 2003. Yes. And the world has changed dramatically since then. If they didn't <laughs> update it, I I, th I think they would have a different problem. Yes, exactly. But it's definitely well-made. It's definitely a, a show that, you know, is, is fun to, to, to watch. It's on Hulu. And I'm trying to figure out, we're, we're going to have, a, we actually have a guest lined up uh, that I haven't announced yet, but a guest lined up to come on at the end of the month from the show. And I, when we talk to them, I, I want to ask questions like, the show they were first three episodes released on hulu but hulu was, was also a, a binging kind of show like place too and now they're doing the week to week and i'm wondering if that changed based on like disney plus doing that a lot more now and apple tv plus and all that stuff whether or not they were planning to do the week to week before i think i can answer it for you it's because okay. it's an fx on hulu show okay, it's not yeah, a hulu sense. show yeah. yeah so it's like they're they're also showing it on tv uh is it is it the, the monkey that plays ampersand was that no it's is not it, oh damn That'd be amazing. It'd be a horrible yeah. interview, but I'd be like, yeah. so, I'd be starstruck. Uh, also, I, I don't even know if it's a real monkey. I don't know if it's a CGI monkey. I, I, that's what we, yeah, we were trying to it. find. My wife and I were trying to figure that out too. Like they also don't, like in the show, you'll see they don't show the monkey all the time. It's always, it's a lot of times it's in the carrying case. And it's like whether or not the, the CGI budget, if it's a CGI budget or if it's a real animal, you know how like animals can't be on screen for so many hours and all. They're like, let's cut down the number of hours we can have this actual monkey walking around. So we'll put it in a, in a, in a carrying case that you can't see in it and hear like you just make monkey noises instead of actually seeing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's just, yeah, there's it's, too much, it's stuff. a lot. There's too much there's stuff, too much but stuff. that's okay. Yeah. yeah I can't keep up with the comics. I have. You, sh you would be shocked by my nights, like my whole comic reading area. It's just a debacle. I'm so far behind. Well, I came in here and I bought comic books last week and I had them on my desk in here and I, I went to do something because of the Comic-Con this week and I went, I'll go, oh my gosh, I bought comic books last week and there's just a stack of comic books that I forgot I even bought last week. <laughs> like, oh, oh, the nature of a comic fan. Uh, and now they're making the frick. It was the 875th Legacy of Fantastic Four, so the book was $9.99 and all this other crap they're doing now is is annoying. But uh, as we get, you know, I don't want to talk to you forever, but we, we I'm in Maine, you're in Alaska. Okay. They're not exactly the same state, but we have some similarities to the point where we're both in cold states. We have pretty cold winters. They're pretty rural. Um, you mentioned going to specific comic book stores up in Alaska and so on. I, I have one store that I can go to within a certain distance for me as well. Um, does it make it difficult growing? Like, you know, you from, you from Alaska. First of all, you're from Alaska from birth. Yeah. Or you, born and raised. Okay. And so does it make it difficult to be a comic book fan in a rural, more rural state in, in a collecting capability? Or I don't think reading? so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest difference is that I didn't know any comic people when I was growing up. I mean, I would, I knew the people who would go to the comic shop, but I didn't have any friends who read comics. And so it was, I was more isolated and that was, I, I wouldn't say that's a pro or a con. It just was my comic shops is great. I sass it a lot on my podcast, actually like retailers know that I like sass it and they think it's hilarious. And, um, but anyways, but, uh, it's a good shop. I mean, honestly, all things considered, despite my complaints, I'm I'm very lucky as a comic fan to be going there and they know me. And so I've been going there forever. So I get like, you know, treated very well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Alaska 
is is a great place to grow up as a comic fan. Probably not the best as a comic creator because you're so isolated and a lot of them end up moving for that reason. Most of the ones I know end up moving down to Portland or somewhere with a, a more robust comic community. Um, but there are creators up here, like a good pal of mine is Tad Galusha and he's an active comic artist and he uh, he lives like 20, 30 miles away from me and we get breakfast every once in a while and good dude. And um, But yeah, I mean, I don't think Alaska as a comic fan growing up, wasn't an issue. It certainly is an issue now because the internet is the great equalizer. Like I can talk to anybody, anytime. The biggest problem to be honest is time zones. It's like, I'm going to talk to an artist in Spain and I'm like, good Lord, what time do I have to get up for this? I'm like, I got to get up to do this podcast at like six in the morning. Ugh. Uh, but anyways, but I, you know, you make it work. Uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a, a pro or a con. It just is. Was it weird for you in Maine? Uh, it, it, so I noticed the difference. I lived in Massachusetts for 10 years. Uh, so a couple states away, that was so much easier. I could go to like six comic book stores on a Saturday. Like my ex-wife, um, I got remarried, but my ex-wife, she would go work on Saturday and I'd drive around and find trying to look for comic books. I could go to like six or seven stores within a 30 minute, 45 minute drive from my house in Massachusetts. And up here, it's like, I have my store in, in, in Bangor, Maine, which is this town next to where I live. And then like 40 minutes away is another one. It's a couple in Portland, Maine, which are two hours away, but there's like not a lot. So it's like the, 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 the hunt for a comic book has really gone away in that aspect. Like if they don't have it at the local comic book shop and they can't order it, I've got to order it online. And so there's that, you know, and plus like, I've always, you know, as you mentioned on, on your podcast, you like, I've always wanted to be the guy who like walked up to a yard sale and like flipped through comic books and, oh, yeah. and found that you know, gem. It, yeah. And it's harder here because there hasn't been comic book shops around. Like the, the fact, I don't think anybody has long boxes from years ago up here because there just wasn't a place to buy them at the time. I mean, I guess back in the day you could buy them at newsstands and things, but like, I just feel like there isn't that big fan. The 6,000 people that came to that Comic-Con this weekend, I mean, majority of them probably came from the Southern part of the state and more of them probably in the past had come from Canada. Uh, the border's closed right now, so they couldn't, but like there wasn't many from this direct area. I mean, it's only 1.3 million people in the state. And in the area that I'm in, there's only like 100,000 of those people. So it's like, it's harder to find buyers for the comic books. Like I understand why there wouldn't be that many comic book stores open. Yeah. Yeah. I will say your population is twice ours and we're really far away. And I've seen crazy collections in Alaska. Mm -hmm. You're, there are collections there. You can, whether or not you can find them for sales an entirely different story, but um, I don't know. I mean, there, there's always opportunities. I find, I find gems from time mm -hmm. to time in like really random places. It's just, you just got to be relentless and looking, but um, yeah, I mean, we only had, when I was growing up, there was three versions of the same shop, Bosco's Comics. And then there was another shop called A1, which I'm pretty sure was a, like a front for something, but <laughs> it was not, not selling comics. Either that or they're just really bad at business. I don't know what, but it was a really weird place. Actually, you would have loved it because they had all their variants were um, regular priced and they ordered so much that they had like a million copies of every Scotty Young cover. And I remember my friend would go there and he'd just buy all the Scotty Young covers for his son at like cover price and, and as our regular shop would charge a lot more than that but it's because they were in a weird front for something but yeah i don't know it's it's okay. interesting uh yeah. growing up in a place like this but i think there's advantages too and i like to think that it made me a better different fan than i would have been otherwise yeah. absolutely and, and and you talked to christina uh from uh, lunar recently on your podcast too about uh lunar and, and uh you know discount comic book services and all that stuff uh, she, uh, 
makes it easier for all of us that maybe can't get that. So there's another option for me. I mean, there's the Midtown Comics also as an option. All these other, you know, websites. I mean, a out a lot of shops have online stores now. Like when when my shop is sold out of something I want, the two closest shops that I order from are Cape and Cowell Comics in uh, Oakland. And then there's also, I think, God, is it Current Comics that's in Monterey, California? And I order, I apologize if I messed that up. Uh, but anyways, I, I, uh, I order from them because they're close and they have Comic Hub, which is a POS system mm-hmm. that I can just order off of their site. And it's super easy. And I get the comics a few days later and they're great shape. And I've ordered so much from Cape and Cowl that they've sent me presents. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> it, it's pretty great. Um, I love it. I mean, it's the idea of what can be your comic shop or having any geo lock to what your comic shop could be is kind of gone now. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've gotten comics. I've gotten comics from Ireland. It's ridiculous. I tried to order comics from Ireland because there's a Scotty Young cover that what's to say says it over at um you've had him uh, you've had him on Big Bang that I wanted to get but I couldn't get it to send to the United States yeah. at the time. Oh so, yeah, I, pandemic. It's it's crazy, but I mean it, it's made it easier. But it's also like if you're a local, if you're a person you have a comic book shop within distance of you that you can actually go to, and they have the comic book stock, go buy it there. Like let's oh, yeah. be honest, people like all these like, all these people that I know that are like, oh, I just bought it online. I bought it on eBay. I'm like, the dude downtown has it. Like why wouldn't you just go get it right there? It's right there, and it's the same price, and you don't have to pay shipping. And it's like, yeah, but it was easier. I'm like, yeah, but they need the money. <laughs> yeah, I uh, th- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I always buy. My, I'm a, a Wednesday warrior through and through, and. I just go to my shop and if it doesn't work out, then I go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's talking about being a rural comic book fan. Like I said, rural, it's not like you're obviously, it's not like we're living in the middle of the backwoods. We, we Yeah, there's like 290,000 people in my yes, city. Exactly. So it's not rural, but I'm thinking rural compared to like some of these other places that there are yeah. uh, comic book fans. But so you're talking about being a fan there, but what about being a basketball or sports fan and being a comic book fan? I feel like there isn't, like I don't have, like I have fans or fans, I have friends that are like one or the other. So I can talk to one of them about comic books or, or, or pop culture or movies. And then there's the other one that just wants to talk sports and has no idea what's going on in the comic book world. There are very few friends that I have, maybe one or two that I can actually have the conversation about both. Uh, and when I started listening to your podcast and you jumped into sports, I was like, oh my gosh, this is definitely my realm right here. You're talking basketball yeah. and, and you just talked about Spider-Man. What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It's not too surprising that there's not a lot of overlap, no. if only because comic fandom is still pretty niche. Mm-hmm. I mean, like watching the movies is completely different than watching the, or reading the comics. And so it's pretty niche. So it's a smaller audience anyways. There was always like when I was growing up, I mean, it's like what you said. It wasn't cool. And uh, that's changed. But at the same time, when we were growing up, it was like I think a lot of times uh, people people who read comics were nerds and that was like kind of made them a target. And I think there might have been a natural resistance formed towards sports because of it. I mean, not all sports wrestling is immensely popular with, with comic yes. fans. And I think it's because comic or wrestling is effectively live action comics. Mm-hmm. It's completely that I, I don't actually watch wrestling, but it, I, I know enough about it to understand that it's basically the same drama, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I grew up loving sports. I, I loved, I actually collected sports cards before I collected comics. Um, and that's why I said the trading cards were a big gateway for me because I love cards. I just wanted more and more cards. And I was a huge fan of sports in general. The funny thing though is, is and this might not be as true for you because you have a lot of teams that are kind of like, like the New England Patriots are New England's team. Mm-hmm. Um, hilariously, I'm a New England Patriots fan. 
Um, I'm a fan of the Patriots, Indiana Pacers, and Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners because I first became a baseball fan when Ken Griffey Jr. was a rookie. And then on top of that, it's the closest team. Like most people in Alaska are regional fans who are fans of like the Blazers or the Mariners or the Seahawks. Um, the Patriots, because my dad is from a town that's close to where Drew Bledsoe was from. And he was like, you're a fan of this guy now. And he gave me uh, Drew Bledsoe's 1993 SP rookie. And I was like, I am a fan of this guy now. And I became a Patriots fan because of that. And Drew Bledsoe left and I'm still a Patriots fan. Um, and then the Pacers, I, I watched them on TV and I saw Reggie Miller score 25 points in the fourth quarter against Reggie Miller, or excuse me, against the Knicks and flash a choke sign at Spike Lee. And I was like, this is my guy. I love this guy. He's amazing. And yeah, th those are my teams. And I I've been a fan of them ever since. Um, I've seen, I haven't seen the Patriots in new England. I've seen them once in Seattle. I actually don't really like watching football live. Me, I've me seen, either. Yeah. I've seen the Patriots or the Pacers a lot. I've seen them in Indiana. I've seen them in a number of other cities. Uh, I've, I used pre-pandemic, I would fly down to go watch them play in Portland every single year, which means that I've watched them lose in Portland a lot of times. I've actually never seen the Pacers win, which is incredible because I've seen them like nine times now. Um, and it's not even that they're bad. And the Mariners, like I've seen them a ton of times, but they've been, they haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. So it's, yeah. it's problematic, but I don't know. I mean, like it's all fandom, right? Like, is there really, should there really be a big separation between these things? It's like uh, wearing a Jersey to a game is just like sports fan cosplay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being really into like the statistics and all the stuff like that is just like being into the lore of comics. There's, there's not a huge difference. I, I think that it's just some people value things differently and that's fine. But I'm, I am a little surprised that there aren't more fans of both. And maybe that's a generational thing. And maybe that's mm -hmm. changing. I don't know. Maybe people who are reading Wayne family adventures on webtoon are like crazy, huge fans of like esports or something. I don't know. And that's, that's obviously the next thing is esports too. Like what, you know, what classifies as a sport to some people, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I grew up like trying to have different hobbies and things like that. And so comic books was there and I collected Pokemon cards at one point and basketball cards. And I just, as I got older and got to the point where I was like in my thirties, I was like, there's two things that stuck around. It was comic books and, and, and sports and, and mainly basketball, uh, baseball. But before I moved back to the main, I lived in Massachusetts for 10 years, my career or my stardom in media was covering sports. I was a sports writer in Massachusetts. And so when I was down there, I covered college hockey and, and the Bruins and the UFC and, and, and PGA tour. And it was a lot of fun to do that. And it was cool to meet those people and stuff, you know, do all that stuff. And that's, I think why it stuck around with me. I don't know why as much. There isn't a lot more. I think, I don't know. Cool. Like I said, back in the day, cool people like sports and, and nerds like the comic books. And I think it's just, some people have stuck with that over the years. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's like when you're growing up, it's like the, the thing that you love often continues being the thing that you love, mm -hmm. whether it's sports or it's comics or it's like baking or whatever. I don't know. It's a lot of the things that we our foundational things be, continue to be things that we love because they formed our foundation. It makes sense. It does. I mean, and so are, are you happy now that the Celtics didn't trade to the Indiana Pacers for like Gordon Hayward for Miles Turner and, and yes. TJ? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm I mean, not happy. <laughs> I, it, it probably would have made the Pacers better and it probably would have made the Celtics better. But I love Miles Turner. He is my yes. favorite Pacer. Um, I think that there is great untapped potential in him and he's been misused for his entire career. And I think that 
if you put him on somebody like the Celtics, that he'd be amazing. That said, I think Time Lord is fantastic. Robert Williams is going to be really good. And I think that it's not going to be necessarily a huge loss for you guys because I think Time Lord will be, I don't know. I mean, I think personally, I think that Miles has a higher ceiling because of the shooting, Mm -hmm. but Time Lord's a good playmaker, like very underrated passer. Uh, I think they were really discovered that last year. I really hope he starts. Um, it, from what I heard, it's going to be Marcus Smart. It's going to be Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, shocking. And then probably Al Horford and uh, mm-hmm. Time Lord. And I, I like how I only refer to him as Time Lord. Rob Williams. Um, and I, that's that makes sense to me. That's that's yeah. a good lineup. And uh, so I don't think it's a big loss for you guys. So I, I'm not unhappy about it at all. I was not excited about paying Gordon Hayward 25 plus million, but at the same time, we're in a league where it's dominated by wings and the Pacers play two bigs. And yeah. that's problematic because it's always going to neuter one of them to a certain degree. Even if Miles is a modern big and DeMontis Sabonis is a facilitator big, at the same time, they're just, they eat up the same space and it makes defense or defense a lot harder. So I'm going to say it's complicated. Yes, I love exactly. my team. I love my team. We're a cursed team. I mean, Karis LeVert has like a stress fracture in his back. TJ Warren will never be healthy again for the rest of his life. And we'll still be exactly as good as we always are. And Rick Carlisle's our coach again. will probably be better than that. The Pacers are perpetually better than they should be, but never great. And that is the life I lead. And I'm fine with it. I watch almost every single game of the Pacers play. I, I see, and that's the thing is over the past couple of years, I got back into really back into basketball to the point where I was watching a lot of it. I missed the bubble. The bubble was freaking amazing. I loved watching basketball in the bubble. It was great basketball. <laughs> it was great basketball. It was like no one had home court advantage. It was just like people were happy to play and, and those who weren't happy to play and didn't want to play didn't. And I just felt like it was like, that's what I wanted to watch for the rest of my life was bubble basketball. And I wish they had done it in 2021 or 20 into 21. But uh, so here's some predictions. So where does, where does uh, Ben Simmons end up? And um, who, who's I winning mean, the championship? Championships, the Nets. Okay. It's not, it's really easy. I mean, unless Kyrie sits out the season and they get hurt again. Although, I mean, they're a free agent pickup. That team is stacked. Yeah. I mean, like Patty Mills is like their fourth guard and Patty Mills is great. Like mm-hmm. he literally like was carrying Australia. Did they win the silver? I don't remember. They, they did really well. Yes. Um. So that team is stacked. It's uh, unless, you know, unless things go wrong, I don't see how the Nets don't win. Um. To me, it's probably the Bucks second. And I, I think the underrated part of this is I actually just read uh, Mirren Fader's biography of Young honest which is great I, I highly recommend reading that if you know for sports fans out there but um i would the, the underrated storyline of this season is if Giannis comes comes back and is considerably better than he was last year when he's already one of the best players in, in basketball i would not be surprised like at all I, I think that Giannis is going to continue to get better and at a certain point that's tough to deny um I don't think honestly, it's weird. It's like I'm kind of down on the West. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think most of the teams in the West have a, a, a chance, unless like the freak experiment that is Russell Westbrook on the Los Angeles Lakers turns out to be like amazing. But um, and I actually like Russell Westbrook. So yeah, I just I don't see the only teams that I think can beat the current e- top East teams in reality would be 
the Clippers if Kawhi gets fully healthy mm-hmm. or the Nuggets if Jamal Murray gets fully healthy. And those are big ass. Oh, okay. And, and like outlier if Clay is somehow completely healthy. Yeah. I mean, that that's a big one. Um, I, I just, I love LeBron and I think AD is amazing, but that team is so weird. And I just don't know how they're going to beat the Nets or the Bucks. And, but I could be proven wrong. So, anyways, um, needless to say, the Pacers are not winning it. Where does no. nor, Benson... nor, nor the Celtics? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, they got a shot to be a little bit. They got a lot of depth. I bet. I bet. You know, if you told me I had to choose between them and the play-in or them as a top four seed, I would okay. choose top four seed. Yes, but but they're also the kind of team that all of a sudden I know where you can just like see halfway through the season they're at the bottom of the standings. Like, it just seems like it, something could go wrong. And, and I don't know. Tate, Tatum and Brown are too good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, they got a lot of depth, but who ends up with Ben Simmons? You know, I think the right answer is probably somebody like Minnesota. Mm. But I, always, you know, it's weird. Like it, it, they're not even on the table. But I could one hundred percent see the Raptors trading for him. It mm. makes no sense, but they got the contracts. I mean, let's say that they're not really happy with Siakam after last year. Trade Siakam and like I don't know Gary Trent Jr. for him. And like a first, and that's that's probably not enough, but that's pretty interesting. Like if, if you're the the Sixers and you can get a shooter like Trent and you can get Siakam as the new four, who's a, a guy that like, well, he's certainly not shy about shooting. So you're not gonna have the same problems as Simmons. I think that definitely locks him in as a top four seed when right now that they're like a six top six mm-hmm. seed, but I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know that that team isn't better. I don't know if the Raptors would do that, but. Masai Ujiri, I could see him doing something like that just because he's always looking for angles. And mm-hmm. he did it with Kawhi. Ben Simmons is no Kawhi, but at the same time, if anybody's going to lock him, I could see Nick Nurse and that team doing it. So I'm going to say the Timberwolves are probably the most likely because they're the most incentivized to do so. The only question is whether or not they would... They're not going to trade Anthony Edwards or a cat. No. So that makes it problematic. But, I mean, eventually the Sixers... I mean, like... I feel like they say that he's got four years left on their contract. So the, the Sixers can play a waiting game, but are they really going to sacrifice an entire year just for this? I don't think so. I think eventually they're going to take a deal. Um, but who knows? It's the freaking Sixers. Right. You know what I mean? Like they should just be stubborn the whole time and just be like, no, we're not going to do it until the right, the right deal comes on the table. And at this point, his, his stock just goes down and down and down because he knows he's not going to play for the Sixers. Like he knows he's not going to suit up there. At some point, they have to get rid of him. They're not going to pay him for, or have him on the team for four years and not trade him. So, a question for you: You're yes. you're a basketball fan. Yes. Would you rather have? Okay, let, let's say two hypothetical trades. I think two of the most likely trade partners are that. Okay, let's say three. Three of the most likely trade partners are the Wolves, the Blazers, and the Kings. So, would you rather have D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley? Malik Beasley, who I'm pretty sure averaged 20 points a game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, contract filler, assorted firsts. Blazers with CJ McCollum. And like, let's say Robert Covington. And that'd be hilarious. Covington got traded back to the yeah, Sixers. Exactly. And then like contract filler to number firsts. Uh, or like Buddy Heald and, and Tyrese Halliburton, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think I'd rather have McCollum. Yeah, I think that because he's also like proven and he's he's 
doesn't he's known he's not doesn't have to be number one. And that's the thing why why this but the Toronto trade actually works too with, with Siakam is Siakam, I don't think can be a number one. I don't think he had he's too streaky to be number one. And but so he could be Embiid's the number no, one. Correct. But so Embiid would be the number one, and that way it would work for Siakam too. It would become he could probably do better. And the column is a number two, really. So he doesn't have to be a number one either. He I doesn't even have to be the number two. They got Tobias no, Harris. Correct. And so I think that I mean for, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I just don't know what the Sixers even think. I mean, I, I the Sixers whole thing is, is it bothers me and and I, I don't know being an East team seeing this I laugh at them like just watching them <laughs> watching them stumble around trying to figure out how to, how to do it. and then Doc Rivers I like Doc Rivers I didn't have a problem with Doc Rivers but just seeing him you know struggling uh, to, to coach at some points is this was just funny to funny to watch so yeah um, clearly I could talk about basketball forever I mean honestly oh. like I always tell people that I'm actually a much bigger basketball fan than I'm a comics fan and yeah it is not I don't think it's close, sadly, for comics. I apologize, comics. Yes, but I mean, the funny thing is, is the difference that I always see is that basketball is real and comics aren't. So there's this things that actually we're not going to see Spider-Man get traded to the freaking DC universe for Batman and stuff like that. Like these are these are fun things. These 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 guessing games uh, that if you and I just speculated about what could happen in 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 an X-Men comic book, someone could hear it, and all of a sudden, five years from now, two years from now, someone puts it in a comic book. None of those trade talk we're talking about any NBA executives going to be like, oh, well, Justin and David on the podcast said, you know, mm-hmm. we should do that. I don't know. So, <laughs> I don't know. You maybe invite, Jerry, call me. Yeah, advisor for uh, advisor of the Toronto Raptors, long distance. <laughs> hey, Anchorage did have a person that was hired to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks as one of their uh, uh, analytics guys. So the the line has been drawn between the NBA and Anchorage, Alaska. There we go. There you go. Done right there. And so when, when Supersonics need to come back too, right? No, I mean, I, I mean, the, the, the Sonics, it'd be nice if they came back, but I it, like, it wouldn't change my fandom. I think no. that they should get a team. Uh, I think it should come through expansion. I don't want a yeah. team to move. No. I, I just think it sucks when they move teams. Um, and it's like the NBA. I don't really think the NBA has like a, a an attendance problem in the same way that like you look at baseball and it's like the Oakland A's have like 4,000 people going to September games. And that's mm-hmm. sad. I mean, frankly, like, I think the A's should move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's and it's you can't blame the pandemic because nobody's ever went to their games. No, well, that's the Seattle set up for it now too, with the Kraken being there now too. There's 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 infrastructure in place for them to be there too. So maybe one yeah. of these days we'll see that. Vegas and Seattle do that. Move like Houston to the Eastern Conference. Bounce it out. Boom. Actually, you know what? Screw you, Masai Jerry. Call me Adam Silver. I'll work <laughs> for you too. <laughs> awesome. So uh, this has been fun. So I, lo- I love talking. Uh, but comics, obviously, a lot of talking basketball. It's a lot of fun. I love when you have that balance on yours too. When you have certain people on and you start talking about things, uh, it's it's great because it kind of mixes it up a little bit too. Uh, you know, you obviously talk comic books for a living, in a sense, not a living because you have another job too. But like, and so talking basketball is also a lot of fun because it's a passion. I will say uh, the one the guest that I've most wanted on my show that I've never booked, and I got close to it at one point. I actually had had my people, who is me, reach out to his people who at that time was the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I tried to get Robin Lopez and <laughs> I really want Robin Lopez on my podcast. Uh, anyways, cause he's a comic fan. And also yes. cause I love his, uh, his attacking of the mascots and he's just a funny dude. I, w- I would love to have him on the podcast. And uh, it's funny how that works out. I bet a free flowing co- conversation with Robin Lopez would be amazing. Also very deep voice and like yes. insanely deep voice. <laughs> Easy editing. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. But uh, so slice fried gold on uh, Twitter is your personal Twitter. Oh, first of all, uh, Facebook went down today. Did you see that? 
I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everybody flocks- actually makes my, it makes my life a little easier actually, because, uh, my, my day job is in digital marketing. And I'm like, I can't get on Facebook, so I can't do my job. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, I love how Instagram and Facebook and WhatsApp goes down every flocks or Twitter to see if they're down. That's oh, yeah. my favorite thing. Twitter's uh, users like go way up when Facebook's down, <laughs> not because they're using that as another platform. They're going there to look to see if Facebook's down. <laughs> That's so smartest, weird. It's smartest so weird. thing they'll ever do is that Twitter's servers will be on different servers than Facebook, just so they're never down at the same time servers goes down. Uh, yeah but yeah at slice fried gold is your twitter uh and you are at sketched comic yep at no, sketch comic no nope. vowels no vowels no vowels s-k-t-c-h-d and comic actually has all the vowels <laughs> and then on instagram i'm also at sketch comic uh and at slice Fried gold i don't know why you'd want to follow me there though because it'd just be cat pictures and then uh off panel has a patreon off panel uh, or excuse me, patreon.com slash off panel and uh, sketched uh, is a subscription site. So it's sketch.com. Check out subscriptions. Always got cool pieces in the hopper. This year has had like a lot of big features, like a oral history of secret wars, a lot of industry stuff. Uh, some really great interviews with uh, amazing creators like James Tynan, the fourth and uh, Mike Del Mundo. Uh, next, when is this running? Uh, not. So this is what we were on the fifth. We're on the fourth. So it would not be this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after that. So, okay. Okay. Well, the week this drops, I'll have Jonathan Hickman on the podcast. And so a lot of people listen to that. Uh, but if you want to listen to that, you can check it out on Apple Podcasts. And that's where I'm at. That's great. It's awesome. It's uh, I, Guys, I, anybody listening right now, it's definitely one of those things. And I shout out other podcasts all the time because that's the way the world works. You can't only listen to one podcast. No episodes. There's not enough episodes for people to listen to one podcast. Listen to multiple ones. Off Panel is amazing. I listen to it every week. Love it. It's great conversations. People are fun that you let you talk to you don't get boring people on uh <laughs> i try not to <laughs> and it's and you have a various different topics so you're not just talking to cartoonists or artists you're not just talking to writers you're not just talking to you're talking to publishers you're talking to distributors and comic book uh, shops and, and and any of the likes and, and i love that all, all aspects of it is pretty cool thank you yeah absolutely i just want to get your head really big <laughs> that was my plan i hope it works finally Finally, my wife will finally be like, finally, he has an ego. Nope. <laughs> awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on and talking and hanging out for a bit. Uh, and we'll, we'll catch up at some point and do another one at some point down the road and see where you are at the time. But uh, keep stay warm in Alaska. I will. Thank is, you. It's here. So. You too in Maine. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs>